This very special episode of Bush Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans, and I'm not kidding this time. It has been a long time since Greg and I have talked about playoff hockey. It's been a sad couple years. We've covered some teams that were not so good, and the past two years have been an absolute blast. Uh, so much fun with you guys. So much fun with everybody who has hung out. And follow the show. Thank you so much. It means the world to us. And if you want to support us a little more, you can go to patreon.com slash breakaway. Sign up, support the show, get some BSB playoff stuff, playoff OTs, join the Discord, all that stuff. You know how it goes. Stuff, stuff, stuff. All right. We have Jesse Marshall from the Athletic Talk Pittsburgh Penguin matchup today. Greg and I talk about our feelings going into the playoffs. We're fairly confident. And with all that being said, let's get to Mark Messier. Love to hear from you on the twitter.com. So reach out to us. And, and hopefully see you on the gin mill on Saturday. Uh, in New York City for a Game 3 watch-along. Very, very fun. Okay, here's Mark Massey. Let's get to the show. Bye-bye. Actually, hello. Whichever. You get it. Playoffs! Playoffs! Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another week of the Bush Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. And Gregory, say hello to the first time we've done playoffs in five years. How are you? Crazy. It's just crazy. I don't, what, what's crazier to you? I, I have to ask this right off the bat. Hit me. The fact that it's been five years since we've covered a real, actual, non-bubble New York Ranger playoff game, or the fact that the New York Mets made a transaction today where they didn't give two shits about money. Uh, see, here's the thing, and I, I don't okay. mean to poo-poo you. I know Steve Cohen has more money than God, so that doesn't surprise me. Like he has art pictures that are worth more than the New York Mets. <laughs> That's like well, he has he has that skinny man statue too. Right? He has like a giant whale in his living room. I don't know. It's it's fine. The Rangers not making the playoffs for five years, and then us going through it. Like I I remember one of the last losses or the last loss for the playoffs. You and I were, like, still new at this. What do we have, like, 200, 300 listeners at the time? I don't know. Not, we were small-time people. And then just, just trying to support the team. And the Rangers lost. They put out a Holden install really late. AV was a magnificent coach after Tanner Glass had just fought, like, half of the Ottawa Senators a game or two before. And then all of a sudden, I, I just remember being like, that was it? I remember thinking, man, that's it. Like, this window is closed. And... I sat in the dark. We didn't record like a post-game episode, and uh, it was a miserable time. And I, at this time around, it's a whole different feeling. It's the beginning of something. It's the start of something. This is uh, this is a Ranger team whose window is open now, and it's open for the next couple years and could be longer depending on the moves they make. And it all starts with this Pittsburgh Penguin series, which I have to tell you, Gregory, I'm oddly confident about, and I, that makes me feel uneasy that I feel like the New York Rangers are the better team. I don't think it's particularly close, and I, I'm scared of Sidney Crosby. I'm scared of Malkin. We've talked about the Penguins ad nauseum on this podcast for the last two months as we predicted it to be the, the series that it would be. Here we are now looking at it in the face, and MSG Game 1 today as you're listening to this is going to be an atmosphere unlike any other, and especially if the Rangers get get ahead early, which I expect them to do. Uh, this series, I, I expect the Rangers to win. I really do. I'm I'm overly confident, and it feels strange to tell you that. And I'm sure it'll bite me in the face. I'm just readying myself for it. But, man, it's so exciting to be back. It's so exciting to cover a team that's got a shot, at least in this first round. And, boy, it's going to be an exciting time to be at MSG. Well, let's just, for a moment, think about the things that have happened in the five years since we've had to do a Ranger, like think of, think of the episodes we've done 
in the month of May over the last five years. Would we have done mom casts? I, and two of them, mind you, had the Rangers been playing on Mother's Day? Probably not. Um, so while that's like, it's not a negative necessarily that we did those. Those episodes exist. They're fantastic. Everyone should listen to them. It's just like that was the stuff we were doing because May was too early to really talk about anything about the off-season ad nauseum. We spent two Mays, including the most recent one, talking about coaching searches. Um, one one May was spent talking ourselves into Sheldon Keefe and Dan uh, David Quinn. The next was about whether David Quinn deserved to be fired in the first place. Like, we, we, you and I, let alone the New York Rangers, have been through a lot in the last five years. Dude, we, I got married. I moved to Philadelphia. <laughs> like, yeah. we, I changed jobs. You got fired from a billboard. We both got COVID. <laughs> like, I podcasted from a couch in Switzerland. We have mom casts. We had a, a, a million things. You have the bar fights, everything. Like so much bar fights being you in a, um, a punching machine, by the way. But yeah, yeah it wasn't a bar that. fight. I was like, I was like, bar fight. Who no, got into a bar no, fight? We, we didn't know in bar. Fight. Just because I was throwing punches in a bar <laughs> doesn't mean I necessarily got into a bar fight. Yeah, we, uh, we yeah, were no, with another company. We went independent. A lot had happened. Yeah, we were. We, so much has happened since the Rangers have last been in the playoffs that we sold out and then sold out from being sold out. That that essentially is is the the bow on everything that we've done. Yeah, it's just. It's crazy, and I. It's interesting to think about because I I do I've found myself thinking about the 2016 series against the Penguins, where I've never been more convinced in my entire life that the New York Rangers just weren't going to win a playoff series. Watched one of those Spoiler series at, at, a, at a Yankee game on my phone. That's how bad I knew they were going to lose. Uh, I remember. I think it was Blake I think Snell's it was, debut. I think it was pre-podcast days. Where I went to, um, I think it was called like City Field Beer, Bacon, and Barbecue. And they, it was like the Mets were on the road and it was uh, a, like a food festival inside City Field. Oh, yeah, I remember the, this. Yeah, I remember yeah, this. The, but it, like I was so confident the Rangers weren't going to do anything that I decided to go to that festival instead of, you know, watching the Rangers lose. And the Rangers lost that day, got eliminated from the playoffs, and that was that. But, like, I remember doing that instead of watching the playoffs because I was like, nah, I don't need to put myself through this. And now it's – we've talked about this before, right, where if you sat me down before the season started and you told me where at the time there's audio evidence of this, that I said the New York Rangers should be playoff contenders this year. I think they should try to be one of the two wildcard teams. I think this entire year should be spent – being competitive and whether that means making the playoffs or not i just the rangers can't at any point be sellers or out of it right and if you told me before the season started that the new york rangers would achieve that just that without providing details about other things uh would i be satisfied and i'd probably go yeah but the beauty of following an entire nhl season like we have and the beauty of understanding all the moves the new york rangers have made up to this point I think you and I fairly confidently can say that we'd be utterly disappointed if the New York Rangers don't win at least one playoff series. They have to win this first series. Uh, it's not close. They must win it. It is a must-win series for the Rangers. I, I 
if if they lose, it must be in seven games. It cannot be in five or six fashion. I can understand if Sidney Crosby and Malkin go absolutely, you know, just bonkers out of their mind and just decide we're willing our way. But the Rangers are too talented. They are. They're just like Panarin. To me, Panarin and Crosby can kind of cross each other out. Malkin does a pretty good job on his uh, on his own, but Zabinajad and plus Adam Fox. Adam Fox, I think, is better than Latang. You know, that's I don't think that's a hot take. And then it's like Igor does it. Everything comes down to Igor. Like the Rangers could win the cup because Igor Shosturkin exists. We said this back in January. We'll say it again now. It it's very possible that this goes down. Not a, not a thing. But the Rangers, if they do lose, it has to be in seven games. There's no that's that's it. There's nothing else in. Dude, I'm. I'd be devastated if they lost this first round. Uh, the second round, uh, it's all gravy. Like if they're if it's the Hurricanes or the Boston Bruins, it's gonna be rough goings either way. I could see that series going either way. I think the Hurricanes have the Rangers number. I've been pretty vocal about that. I'm not excited about it, uh, but I, I I'm not even gonna think about that second round series because uh, the Penguins are in the way, and you think about the next game right now. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what we'll do here, and. When the Rangers face this Penguins team, if they don't come away with a series win, because I feel odd, like not oddly, like assuredly confident. I thought this team would be very good this year. I was very high on them uh, at the beginning of the season. I, I knew that there were going to be bumps and grinds, but I believe in the talent. There was just too much going on between like the, some of the players I named and the breakouts that were going to happen. And Adam Fox wasn't even a magical wizard this year. It was just Igor became something else in the system. And Ger- all credit to Gerard Gallant's system, systems and culture that really kind of changed this team on top of the Igor revolution. So, yeah, man, if they lost in the first round, I'd be devastated. It would be an awful loss because uh, this team should at least go go six games in the second round, in my opinion. After that, anything further than six games in the second round is like, okay, this is gravy and this could be something special. But we're not. We're very far away from that at this point. Uh, I'll just say, uh, thanks to our, our betting partners from DraftKings Sportsbook, if I, I do think, and I, I've talked to this I talked about this with Fitz over the interwebs. Uh, if you're confident yeah, no, yeah. the New York Rangers winning in either five games or six games, DraftKings will let you bet the exact outcome of the matchup. And the Rangers in five is plus 600. The Rangers in six is plus 550. Dude, plus 550 uh, I, for Rangers in six is sick. Like, it's, uh, it's, I'm it's not also even betting. Just gonna, I'm also just going to put this out there. It's 11 to one plus 1100 them to sweep. If, if you really feel confident about it. Now, I've all, I, I said this on Twitter, and, and I'm, I'm going to mean it. While I, I am super focused on how the first two games go, if Messier wins the Kentucky Derby, the Rangers are winning the Cup. I, I, you can't tell me otherwise. You, you just can't. You can't sit here, Ryan, and tell me that a horse named after a former Ranger captain who won the Stanley Cup, if that fucking horse wins the Kentucky Derby, the Rangers are winning the Stanley Cup. I it, that's not even me making a bold prediction. That's just the way life works. <laughs> you, you simply you simply don't get one without the other. Now, speaking of odds, all I'm saying is that at, at the morning line, Messier is going to be going off at 8-1. to one. Try to get that early because I promise you, those odds are going to go down because Ranger fans are just going to bet the shit out of that horse. Will I be partially responsible for the amount of Ranger fans betting on that horse? Probably. But, yeah, I, I just – I don't know. I, I – I'm with you. Uh, I've never been more. I'm tr- I've been trying to think of playoff series involving my favorite teams that I've been more confident that the New York Rangers were going to win. Um, I was the only Ranger related confidence I can really recall having because, I mean, 
it, it's crazy to think about it. And it, it's, it's nuts to think about this in hindsight. But even with those Henrik Lundqvist teams, I was never 100% comfortable. Dude, how could you be? Look at, the, look at the forwards on some of those teams. Like, yeah. it, they so, weren't great. So, and, and plus, I mean, it, it's, look, the Rangers were going up against prime Ovechkin. The Rangers were going up against prime Crosby, prime Malkin. And I, I mean this with all disrespect. The only series I ever felt confident the New York Rangers were going to win was the Eastern Conference Finals against the Montreal Canadiens. That was the only one. That was a lock. And actually, the opening series where Tanner Glass scores the backhand goal, I was in on that. That that one I knew we'd win. After that, not so much. Yeah, that's really it. I've never, specifically against the Penguins, I've never been as confident as I am today that the Rangers will win that. (laughs) Yeah, Greggy. I'm, I'm so... I'm so confident that I'm dying. Yeah. But I've, I've never been more confident the Rangers are going to win a playoff series, I think, uh, in my life as a Ranger fan. Um, and I, I'll put it this way. I'm, I'll put this on the level of when the Mets beat the Dodgers in the 2015 National League Division Series and then had to play the Cubs after that, I'm more confident in this Ranger team beating the Penguins than I was the Mets beating those Cubs teams. And – that takes into consideration that I saw the Mets do it. I was riding a high, and I understood that there was some magic at play already for the Mets. I'm still more confident that the Rangers are going to beat the Penguins. Now, if there's anything I know in my life, it's that when I'm this confident about something, it never bites me in the ass. Not once. I have no anecdotal <laughs> evidence that I've ever really been wronged by my own false confidence. But I, I, I just can't sit here and say that as a Ranger fan – you should be worried. Now, I'll take this moment to say that Jesse Marshall of The Athletic is on the show today. Jesse does a good, great job, as always, of trying to play both sides for us because I know that we can't do it. Um, and he, listen, anytime you're going up against Sidney Crosby, I don't care what kind of year he's coming off of or any of that. Sidney Crosby is a 16-game player, and you have to worry about a Crosby-led team pulling off something you weren't expecting. I, it's He's not a guy you can rule out at any one time. It, this Ranger team, as currently constructed, is the best shot they're going to have at not just beating that team, but doing it convincingly. I, I couldn't agree more. And like the Crosby point is just there, right? Just like legends sometimes find their way. And as much as we hate Sidney Crosby, that's what he is. But the rest of the team around him just isn't as strong. I'm, I'm, I would, I'm favorable against the Pittsburgh's defense. I don't think Casey DeSmith and Jesse Marsh talks about this lately. Uh, later, rather, is uh, is I think he's a, a serious downgrade over Tristan Jari. I, I, I thought I was a little scared of Jari just because of the way he performs against the Rangers. Like I know the Rangers came out and scored three goals against him early at MSG. I totally understand that. But he's had some big games against us. He's had a much better season. And I think DeSmith is just very vulnerable for a Rangers team that's going to come out on all cylinders firing. Uh, and I just I just can't see. And I this is what it always comes back to for me. And I know it's stupid. And I know it's the simplest thing. And I know it's something we've said over and over again. But you have to be Igor four times. It's just, like, impossible. And I know Hank has, has lost also. And Hank has had better years than Igor has had this year. Uh, his best year and some of the years Hank had had were just absolutely ridiculous and he didn't get the phrase he was supposed to get for those years but Igor has a much better team at least in my opinion around around him than Henrik Lundqvist did 
And this team is just stronger top to bottom than the Pittsburgh Penguins. I would take Sidney Crosby likely first if you had a draft. Actually, no, that's a lie. I would take Igor, Igor Shosturkin over everybody on the ice. Are you, is that is that a hard choice for you at all? Like, if you had to pick, you, you were drafting players of every player in this series. Who goes first? Yeah, it's Igor. I, I, I don't even think it's a hot take. And I think Jesse, if we had asked him this question, he'd say the same thing. It, you're telling me, I we, we throw around the term generational a lot, probably too much. I, I try to push back on it more than you do. But the term generational does get thrown around quite often. Sidney Crosby is a legit generational player. Igor Shosturkin had a generational season where everybody in the league was scoring. No goalie was truly succeeding at stopping pucks from going into the net except Igor Shosturkin. Igor, I just, I, I, I think you have to put this type of Igor season on par with any Hank season. Now I'm not saying Igor is going to be Henrik Lundqvist. It's, illogical to expect that moving forward but if we were to just judge this one season that Igor Shosturkin has given us it's as good as any season we ever saw from Hank it's as good as any season we saw from guys like Dominic Hachik it is a dominant incredible singular season and I think you have to take him as the one player you would want in this series and I look how many times have we said on this podcast that all you have to do is have the hot goalie in the playoffs and you have a real shot at lifting Lord Stanley's Cup? Here's the thing. No goalie, including Vasilevsky, has a better shot at staying hot than Igor Shosturkin. The man is primed and ready to go. And I, I think credit where credit is due. Did Chris Drury get his paper in on time? No. But the teacher gave him an extension, and that extra time allowed him to ace the test. Good for him. Happy about it. Makes my life a lot easier. The moves he made at the deadline were perfect for where this Ranger team wanted to go and what this Ranger team could be and the areas in which this Ranger team needed to address. Do I expect all his moves to pay off in the playoffs? No. I mean, I don't expect. I understand what Gallant said, but I know that man's a fucking liar. So no, I don't expect Tyler Mott to play in the <laughs> no, first I, round. No, I of think Mott, if he plays, it's in the second round. There's, I don't yeah. see it in the first round whatsoever. But do I think the New York Rangers could be more properly constructed for a deep playoff run than they currently are? Probably not within the realistic realms of the salary cap. Like this is heading into Game One of the playoffs. As you listen to this, so tonight. It's the most confident I've ever been in the Rangers' top nine. It's the most confident I've ever been in the Rangers' top four. It's the most confident I've ever been in a New York Ranger goaltender. This is a set, like what what qualms, what what nits am I going to pick? Am I really going to be upset about the seven minutes Ryan Reeves plays? Am I really going to be worrying about Patrick Nemeth or Justin Braun? Like I, I the the areas in which you can critique this New York Ranger team are seemingly infinitesimal compared to what we were saying about this team in January and February. And you have to give credit where credit is due for that, right? The New York Rangers' top nine will include a child's line that we've been calling for seemingly all year. 
and it's finally going to come together at a time where it seems like those players are not just healthy, but performing, which is just uh, as Kako important. looked really good in that last game. Just saying. <laughs> I know and, it's Capitals. They weren't really playing, but. And how, how often have we spent wondering if the Rangers' defense was going to be able to hold up? All that's happened is Keandre Miller has taken his game to new heights. Jacob Truba has become entrenched as a reliable, not just reliable, because I feel like reliable is somehow a backhanded compliment, a legitimate top-pairing defender. And we haven't even said the name Adam Fox yet after naming two other defenders before him. This New York Ranger team, from top to bottom, is as ready for a deep playoff run as any team you could possibly hope for. And we say that saying, yeah, I expect them to win one round and then we'll reconsider after that. But it, it's, it is a little almost ridiculous that this team built this way over the amount of time that we've spent talking about them is finally ready to play a playoff series that we expect them to win convincingly. It's just nuts. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. I don't even, like, it's hard to, uh, like, break down and analyze this series because simply I think it comes down to the Rangers are a better team top to bottom. Their bottom six is legitimately really strong. And I know we've been waiting for, like, I think Lafreniere took some really big steps in confidence in the last couple of months. And I know Kako was hurt, and I know he didn't have the year I, I want him to have, and I'm sure all of you wanted him to have. And I know Heedle had it up and down year two with bench for three games at some point. But that line, if that line takes off at any in any shape or form, this team is so dangerous, it's ridiculous. And and by the way, we, we didn't even mention Braden Schneider. Like, Schneider's like the fifth defenseman, and he's been awesome, and he's a rookie. Uh, so there is a lot of options on this team. There's a lot of players that can step up in big moments. And this, my friend, is exactly where we're going to find out who's a 16-game player or not. To, to steal another line from Fitz, to steal a line from Draymond Green, who got thrown out of a game, so now he's a 15-game player. Uh, so it's a... It, well, it, it, I mean, he played some of the game. He this did is one of those it. things where, like... Well, no, he's got he's suspended for one, so there you go. He's not suspended yet. Okay, still still appealing? Is that what happened? No, he, I, don't th- I don't think he's gotten the... Uh, aren't they, isn't it like a point system? I saw Shams the same that he wouldn't... Whatever, I don't know. I'm not going to get into this. Who gives uh, a shit? Who gives a shit? The Rangers. Uh, we're going to find out if Lexi Lafreniere and DeAndre Miller and, and Capo Caco. Who, by the way, the last time the Rangers were in a quote-unquote playoffs, the bubble, Capo was the only person that really showed up. I, and he doesn't really ever get credit for that, but he was the only player that was playing against the Hurricanes. I mean, Mika and Panarin looked slow and vulnerable in that in that series. And I'm hoping that's not the case now. But again, it was the bubble, it was the pandemic, the world had shut down, and I'm not going to hold anything against them. But uh, this is the time, my friend, where we're going to sit here and say, okay, who can step up in these big moments? And I, I, I mean... I want to see playoff Adam Fox. I want to see playoff Igor Shesterkin. We know what Panarin is capable of. I mean, we've never really seen Mika get a full run like this. It's just not happened. And Chris Kreider well, is the most, like, this is the best he's ever played in his career, and it's probably going to be the best year of his career ever until he scores 53 next year, of course. But so uh, there, there's a lot there are a couple things that I'm really excited for uh, heading into this year's playoff. And it's the individual player storylines that maybe we don't, think about enough when we think about teams heading in the playoffs. So truly the only Ranger on this roster that understands what happens to the city in deep playoff runs is Chris Kreider, right? Which means we also know that Mika Zibanejad understands that because what else do those two talk about at night when they're cuddled, snuggled up together under a blanket watching I can, what I probably like wolf documentaries. Yeah, I think definitely wolves. 
Yeah. Yep. Like I think I would assume Mika gets to choose the food, but Chris gets to control the remote kind of deal. Um, so I assume Mika's on the, on the level, and I know Chris is on the level. But you don't think Adam Fox understands what a deep playoff run would do to his New York legacy? You don't think Keandre Miller understands how important your first playoff series truly is? More importantly, you don't think Ryan Strom and Andrew Kopp understand that they need to show up in these playoffs if they really want that next big payday? I'm not even worried about whether the Rangers could sign either of them. I don't care. But if you are Ryan Strom and you are Andrew Kopp and you're thinking, I want the bag this offseason, you know what you're going to have to do to really secure that bag? Because we've seen it done time and time the again. The regular season doesn't matter. Everyone, you'll get you'll get millions of dollar increase if you perform in the playoffs. Millions. Yes. Yeah. If, if Ryan Strom wants six and a half plus million dollars a year, you know what he's going to have to do? Probably going to have to drop a hat trick in one of these games. And you know what that means for the New York Rangers? Probably good things if Ryan Strom is scoring goals for fun. Yeah, no, it literally it makes me sick to think about. But if Ryan Strom or Andrew Kopp is scoring goals for fun, right? then it's just it, it's good for the Rangers. This is, this is one of those moments where if you are rooting for your players to be selfish, it's actually good for the team because your team will go further if those guys are worried about individual goals. And I am all fucking for it. I really am. I can't emphasize that enough. You don't think Kako and his agent have talked about, especially considering the amount of games Kako missed during the regular season, about what a big playoffs could do for him this summer when it comes to contract. Dude, they had that conversation this morning, yesterday. They're going to have it tomorrow. It's like the first thing they talk about every day. Yeah. And I, I love motivated players on my team. I don't care what their motivations are. I don't care how selfish those motivations are. I might care about those selfish motivations when all is said and done. But in the moment, I need my players to be selfish. I need them to be greedy little bastards. I need them to be fucking pricks because I want my team to win hockey games. And this is how my team does it. Yes, I need them to play as a team, as a cohesive unit. I need them to look out for each other, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, I need Andrew Kopp to want to get his because if Andrew Kopp is wanting to get his, the Rangers are going to win hockey games. I want Ryan Strom to want to get his which might mean missing a couple open nets, but it's okay because I'm here for the jokes. And usually when he's missing open nets, it means the Rangers are getting high quality scoring opportunities. But I want these guys to be fucking selfish little douchebags. I do. <laughs> I really do. I think that's great. I, I Get the money, friends. Get it. And yeah. you, you, you didn't even mention Igor Shosturkin. The, the extension wasn't that long. He wants that bag. He wants it. And if he doesn't well, Igor, in the playoffs... Igor, I put into a different category where I just think he's a psycho. Like I, I he's think, a total psycho, dude. Especially today I, when he was like, "I could play better." It's like, what? Yeah, what? Yeah. So Igor, I almost there's a part of me you see where I don't actually want this, but I want this a little bit. I kind of want the Rangers to be up three games to none, and then I want Igor to get humbled a little bit in Game Four, and I want Igor to go fuck this. I don't want to feel this ever again. This is fucking bullshit. I'm not allowing another goal in the net. And then just goes on a fucking run. I mean, for the, the rest the, of the when playoffs. Igor said today, you know, I think I could play better. I think it was Molly that asked him, like, hey, or Molly or Vince, I think. I don't. I want to give the right quote there. But uh, it was pretty much, in summary, they they said, you've had a great season. You're a Vesna favorite. You could have won the heart. What do you think about the season? He's like, yeah, I could have played better. And I believed him. I believed that he could have. Uh, and he was on one of the best seasons ever. 
this is a defining moment for the New York Rangers. There's a lot to break down. We do with Jesse in a couple minutes here. Is there any any final closing thoughts you have going into this series? Where, I mean, I think Rangers in six. I think it's going to be. I think Madison Square Garden is going to be absolutely unbelievable. The home games are going to be crazy. The team's going to be pumped up. And I actually don't care if Ryan Reeves plays every single game. Doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, if anybody could play, like if Ryan Reeves gets caught out and a goal happens, that's just what it is. That sucks, but that's what you're paying for. But he clearly has an effect on the team and in many ways. And then Galan has said that, and it's true. Just watching the pregame. Watch how the, the guys react to him a little differently. As much as as much as we want to sit here and, and, and crap on who Ryan Reeves is as a hockey player, everything he brings in the intangibles discussion is the best we've ever seen as a New York Ranger, uh, New York Ranger fan in terms of the enforcer great kind. And so if uh, there might be a moment where he gets gets outplayed, but I actually don't think there will be. And even if he does, I, I, I think he gets sat pretty immediately. You've seen you've seen him from Gallant this season when he really wants to win a game against Pittsburgh. He ended up sitting Reeves that Friday night, and uh, the Rangers absolutely dominated. But for right now, I have no problem with Reeves being in the lineup. It's not an issue at all. Totally cool with it and couldn't be more excited to get this started. Nervous, but confident. Yeah, this kind of would feel like those old school Braves teams would make the World Series and Greg Maddox would need Eddie Perez to catch him. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to really give a shit about who's catching if it may, and if it helps my stars feel better about what they're doing, right? So I'm not going to worry about who the Rangers' 12th forward is, but I especially won't worry about who the 12th forward is if the nine forwards that I really need in this series – if it helps them play a better game by having that 12th guy in the lineup, then I will sacrifice those seven minutes of probably subpar hockey as long as it's helping my other the, – the nine important ones feel like they can play better because the 12th guy is here. And I understand that it's like – this is – I think that, for a certain extent, is the divergence from, like, the, the chart boy crowd versus the eye test crowd. It's like I can sit here and tell you, that statistically speaking, Ryan Reeves is a guy that I should be playing as probably never, but definitely as little as humanly possible. But his sheer existence helps the advanced numbers of all my other guys, even when he's not on the ice. So at some point in time, you kind of do have to take the bad with the good. And to me, we've said this more and more as the season's gone along, but Ryan Reeves is an entire mood and a vibe. And if that mood and vibe is going to help the kids line, the Panarinstrom cop line, and the Love Fest line at the very top of it, if it helps them play better, then yeah, any fucking day of the week. I'll fucking give Reeves five more million dollars while you're at it in some weird signing bonus. I don't care. If it helps my <laughs> team win, I just I, – I, They're not losing to, because we, of Ryan Reeves. They're losing because Igor, either Igor – Igor has somehow lost some magical powers or Panarin and Mika and some of the 5v5 just can't generate offense. That's if, That would be why they lost. Yeah, it, no, I don't even think it'll be because of Igor. I, if they lose, it's because of the same problem that they've had for the majority of the season. Something that we haven't, again, that we haven't seen much as a trade deadline, but it's because the 5-on-5 five five scoring dried up. And again, what the Rangers do on their fourth line, how the fourth line is deployed, doesn't matter when, in terms of 5-on-5 five five scoring, right? That line is not designed or run to create scoring opportunities. So it's up to the other three lines to carry the weight of this team scoring. That fourth line is there to literally buy the other three lines a couple minutes per game and for Ryan Reeves to give everybody 
little, uh, just good vibes and good feelings. So I'm for it. I, it's, I'm very confident if Ryan Reeves and Patrick Nemeth are the reason why the New York Rangers can't beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, it has to be blatant. I don't even know. Like, short of Nemeth taking his stick and concussing <laughs> Igor Shosturkin, I don't think there's anything those two players can do individually that will cost the New York Rangers this series. I'm with you. Uh, let's do some quick notes before we get to Jesse. We will be at the Gin Mill on Saturday. It's 6.30 p.m. Greg will be there at 1. I'll probably be there on 3. Uh, we'll be hanging I'll be out there all day. No, I'll, I'll say this. I'll be there no later than 1. The Kentucky Derby card, for those who are new to this, starts incredibly early. I think the first race actually goes off at 10.30 a.m. So I will be there no later than 1. But, yes, guys, Gin Mill, I know we've, we've danced around this because we were waiting for a playoff schedule. Well, guess what? Uh, Sports again is fucking here. For Saturday, Saturday is going to be a wild day for Blue Shirt Breakaway. So we, we did it earlier this season. We had like 75 people show up. It was awesome. Playoffs are a whole different animal. Get there early if you'd like. I, I'd advise on it. Uh, and we'll see you guys there. Uh, as for BSB OTs on our Patreon, if you want to subscribe to the Patreon to get those, you can today. It supports the show. Helps me and Greg do the show. Gives Greg health insurance, to be honest with you. And, uh, and I, I sound super healthy right now. You so do. You do. You guys, you guys know how I just don't need that. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Please help Greg. Please. I feel like an infomercial. Uh, but we will be doing BSB OTs. Uh, we'll do one tomorrow after the game Game 2. Uh, game 1, sorry. we will. Do, I will be going to Game 2 with a supporter... Matty Jack, and I will be doing Game 2 from a street in New York City where Greg records, and then we will not be doing one for Game 3, but we will have Game 4 on Monday because uh, there's a podcast night. So that will be out for everybody on Tuesday, but most post-game shows will be on BSBOTs. Anything I missed there, Gregory? Uh, we are. I am also I'm, yep. I'm, I'm doing uh, pre-game vibe checks each game day, with the exception of Saturday again. Again, I will just give you an in-person pre-game vibe check if you want to come watch fucking Horse races with me at the gin mill on Saturday. That could just be an in-person vibe check that I am providing to you. There is a chance on Saturday. Uh, there's a perfect moment of crescendo that could realistically happen because it's Mets Phillies first pitch at four. The Kentucky Derby post time is scheduled for six fifty-eight, and the Ranger game quote unquote starts at seven. So seven fifteen for the Ranger game. There's a chance that all three things, the Met game ending, the Kentucky Derby running, and the Ranger game starting, happen simultaneously, to which I think I will just have an out-of-body experience float above everybody else in the crowd and cease to exist for that small moment of time. You've almost died like nine weekends in a row, and yet here we are again. (laughs) Yeah, and this is... Every weekend feels like a new fucking challenge. Oh, you survived Austin? Cool. I'm going to fuck you up some other time. Aren't, oh, you survived a wedding? Cool. I'll fuck you up some other time. Aren't we going to Lake George in like three weeks? I'm not worried about that. Come on. that That's a walk in the fucking park. That's true. Literally. That'll be something that's, else. It's a bachelor party where none of us are planning on leaving the house at any point in time. That's going to be something, though. If Yeah. If I can't survive that, my training has been for not. That's true. Uh, but, yeah, I again, I... The gym mill will be a very good time. I'm very excited for Saturday. It's an all-time sports day for me personally. Uh, and I, I just, I can't think, think about this as well. Game two, the one you're going to, that's Cinco fucking de Mayo. Like this entire series is begging for people to get fucked up. Like just not even 
playfully fucked up, not like, haha, oh my God, I'm so drunk, fucked up. Like, you had trauma in your childhood, fucked up. You are going to get screwed on a nightly basis. Playoff hockey, the only playoff hockey and playoff baseball to me, more than any other sport, feel like fucking constant heart attacks because they're both sports where literally it feels like the entire game can change in an unpredictable second. You don't know what pitch is going to be fucking boom shanked 500 feet. And you don't know what bouncing puck is going to find a stick and then find the back of the net at any given time. So the entire time you're sitting there with nothing but anxiety, depression, and fucking every wrong decision you've ever made in your entire life just haunting you like a fucking Casper the piece of shit ghost the entire time. So why not just do that with other people going through the same shit? And an abundance of alcohol. And I, th- I think that's perfect. I think I think what we're doing is a public service. I agree. We'll see some of you there. We're going to go to Jesse Marshall. And uh, it's a really great interview. We talk about the whole series of the whole breakdown. And um, whew, we wish you the best of luck surviving the playoffs. We love you guys. Here's our interview with Jesse. Here we go. Transition. Hey, folks. I know we've talked a lot about our watch party this coming Saturday at the Gin Mill. But I also want to talk about one of my other favorite bars in New York City, and that is American Whiskey. They're located at 247 West 30th, just outside MSG, and the guys over there are doing something that I absolutely love. They're hosting their own Kentucky Derby party, and they'll be following that up with a watch party for the Ranger game of their own. It's this Saturday, May 7th, and it's the best two minutes of your life that raise the run for the Roses. Tickets are only $40 for the event. You can get them at the door or ahead of time on Eventbrite from 4.30 to 7.30. It's an, um, oh, listen to this, open bar from 4.30 to 7.30, complete with whiskey tastings and a derby-inspired menu. Plus, American Whiskey will be hosting a best-dressed contest with boozy prizes, cornhole, and much more. And guys, this isn't just a place to go on Saturday. Anytime you want to watch a Ranger game pregame, during the game, postgame, American Whiskey is the place to be. You can stick around on Saturday after the Derby for a Rangers watch party, complete with big screen TV coverage, game audio, and specials on Bud Light, uh, Draft, Buckets, and Pink Whitney shots. American Whiskey, it is your destination for New York Rangers hockey all throughout the playoffs. And if you can't get there Saturday because you're there with us, I know Ryan will be there on Thursday ahead of the game, uh, game two. And I plan on stopping by on Friday um, to meet some people, shake some hands, kiss some babies. You know how it goes. So, guys, next time you're in New York City and you're trying to plan a night out, American Whiskey is the place to be. Hey, we're back with our resident Penguins expert and friend of the show, Jesse Marshall. Jesse, welcome back. It's only been a couple weeks, and you are the first-round opponent. How are you feeling? Um, I mean, if you want me to be honest, horrible. But here we are. Well, thanks for coming on. Jesse, I'm 1,000% with you on the horrible. I feel like I'm dying. I traveled this week, and it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Well, you feel physically horrible. I'm talking strictly from a hockey perspective. Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, I can't help you there yet. Much talk if you don't have your virtual turkey. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's get into why you feel horrible, because there's been, um, the, I would say, Vegas or the mo- public money is favoring the Penguins. Then yeah. a lot of NHL analysts favor their pick the Rangers, but then a lot of models pick the Penguins, and then one particular ESPN person says the Rangers suck. Uh, so that's where we're at. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I know. Isn't that crazy? 
Um, well, where, why do you feel horrible then if that's like – that's kind of a 50-50 split I just gave you. Well, <clears throat> so models are going to take in the whole season's performance. Oh, Jesse, right? you're so smart. You're thinking more. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think like recently specifically, like the last three-ish, four-ish weeks for the Penguins have just been really rough. Not the way you want to go into the postseason. Um, I've said this a couple times to people. You know, I, I think that when you evaluate your team's play and you look at your, you know, your team's system and you're trying to grade them out and, and assess like a level of preparedness, you know, I think you're, you you don't want to see problems. You know, that you would maybe expect in game like six, seven, eight, as opposed to game 79, 80, 81, right? And that's kind of like in a nutshell, I think of the story of the Penguins last couple weeks is. Certainly, there have been moments of brilliance, moments of, like, this is what you've expected from this team. You know, 11-goal hang-up on Detroit, you know, 4-0 win over Boston. You know, two hallmark performances down the stretch that were very much in line with early season expectation, mid-season result of this team. But then there's the Rangers games, right? Uh, there's, like, just absolutely uh, blown performances against the Islanders in there. Um, there's there's circumstances that present themselves repeatedly, I think, of the system not working and maybe evidence suggesting that a new system is warranted based on the legs and stamina of this team and where it is at this at its age, right? So uh, it's top-heavy. Uh, it's lost its starting goalie, and I don't expect him back, you know, at least for the first five games of the series, if, you know, if we get to that point. Uh, I think it's rough. You know, it's rough. And that's not to say, like, look, they have Sidney Crosby, and who's, by the way, still very good, <laughs> really good. Uh, Evgeny Malkin's back and no longer suspended. He's really good. Ricard Raquel's been unbelievable. Um, I think he and Andrew Coppy can make the argument are probably the two best deadline acquisitions of the year. Um, so good. there's good things, right? Chris Letang had 60-some, 60 68 points. It was a revelation. Uh, but the, the structure, I keep going back to that piece, you know, like who they are, what their identity is, uh, the way they won their cups, the way that Mike Sullivan likes to play. The question going into this postseason is, can they play that way? That's such a big question for any team. You don't want to be asking that question to your team going into the postseason. So, Jesse, I know the, the points you're bringing up, I want to get into them for sure. And we will because, you know, we have a lot to talk about here. But it, it's hard for me when we're doing any kind of playoff preview not to start with the man in between the pipes. And for games one and two, that's going to be Casey DeSmith. Mm-hmm. What kind of mindset does that give you from a Penguins perspective? And what kind of mindset should that have Rangers feeling? Like what – it? I, I understand that, you know, we're talking about two inexperienced goalies when it comes to the playoffs either way. But – from go- going from Tristan Jari to Casey DeSmith means what in your eyes? You know, surprisingly, I think to me and I think to the larger contingent of Pittsburghers as a whole, it doesn't mean a lot. Um, hmm. One, Tristan Jari uh, would only have earned the trust of the people in the city with a solid playoff performance against the Rangers, right? Whether or not the team in front of him crapped the bed, right? If he himself... <laughs> kind of exercised the demons of the Islander series last year. That is the only way he'd have won the hearts and minds of some people back. And I respect that. Like all year long, I heard 
I don't care what the data says about Jari. He's got to do it in April. He's got to do it in April. What's kind of stinks that he doesn't get the opportunity to now or doesn't get the opportunity to like 100% healthy, right? But the point I re I'm making here is I think down the stretch run, the Penguins really leaned in on Jari. And he played a lot of games in a, a situations. He probably wasn't used to it. I'm sure Igor was probably in, in, in similar uh, situations. But they started to get Casey DeSmith into more of a rhythm. I think they needed to evaluate whether or not they needed a backup or whether or not he could do it. He proved he could. Uh, I think I jokingly said the other day, seven of the 10 uh, save of the year uh, highlights uh, have come from Casey to Smith in like the last month. He's been really good. Um, I, I'm, I'm not like worried about Casey to Smith. I think, you know, experience wise, like he has about as much as Tristan Jari has. I mean, they both have like sub sub seven games of playoff experience, you know, to Smith obviously with less, but um, you could make the argument like the last three weeks head to head with Jari, he was better. Now Jari had the better year. He's been more consistent. He's got the higher pedigree. Um, this is almost like a Jeff Zatkoff situation, right? Like I, I, I think for DeSmith, it's like he's, he's settled in. He knows he's the starter now, right? There's no jitters from him. He's got a lot of games under his belt in the NHL. He's been around for a while. So I don't think there's like a, there's no, there's no real shock value to the team. There's no, like, we got to adjust. Uh, he's been really good. I think what you lose is is that puck playing ability. Tristan Jari is really good at getting out of the crease and making things happen. Makes it hard to dump pucks in on him. DeSmith doesn't really give you that. So I think that's the one tangible piece, I would say. But otherwise, from a performance standpoint, it's pretty much uh, uh, even up for me. I'm surprised to hear you say that because I thought Jari performed uh, quite well against the Rangers multiple times this year. Uh, obviously, the first game they played, and then even the game where they like they lit him up for three goals, he then stood on his head afterwards. Uh, he just seemed like a little bit more of a proven asset. Uh, but speaking of playing the puck, on the other side, there's a, a goaltender called Igor Shesterkin. Might have heard of him, et cetera, et cetera, Vesna, whatever. Uh, how are the Pittsburgh Penguin fans and you feeling about going up against, I, I don't want to say a Hank 2.0, but clearly who's going to be the best goalie in the league this year? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, this is traditionally something that frustrates Pittsburgh, right? Um, good goaltending and, um, you know, a good a good defensive team to accompany it. So, you know, not saying that the Rangers are, like, defensive superheroes, but, like, some of the, like, their top four is really good, right? I mean, it, it is. It's really, really good. So I don't think people are looking forward to this, but I also think that, like, you know, some of the demons that haunted the Penguins in the past, like, um, you know, in this realm, I think have somewhat been exercised. So um, I, I think the, here's the thing. The Penguins have been so bad against the Rangers this year and have laid so many eggs against them that I don't know that we've really even like seen them test him all that much. <laughs> like, like, I'm thinking in my head, like, what, you know, like, have they really had like longer period of sustained pressure that has like made him like make a 10 bell save? Probably. I don't, I don't think like, I don't really think they have. So we're going to find out like that. That to me is a complete question mark still. Cause I cannot emphasize to you guys. Like I, I look back at those games, like leading up to the, this weekend, like, you know, in preparation for some playoff pieces. And it's like, man, like some of the worst games the Penguins played this year, which is games against the Rangers where they just came out in a uh, big fart noise. And I'll get like real specific for just a second before I'm not going to promise I won't go on a diatribe, but like, you know, you traditionally think about the way the Penguins play, right. It's this like up tempo for checking style. And they just haven't been, you know, I, again, I, I, the question is, can they do that? Like, can they do that in the playoffs consistently for 60 minutes? And I, I posted videos on Twitter where the Rangers were just like innocuously being themselves, right? Like on their breakout, like 
very normal run-of-the-mill stuff. And it was the Penguins' ineffectiveness in their forecheck that opened up these really long stretch passing lanes for New York. And they allowed them to attack up ice. And it's like, you know, you watch that, having watched all 82 Penguin games and not all 82 Ranger games, and not, you know, having like a, a somewhat level of ignorance to the, the, the finer points of Rangers hockey. Watching the Penguins side of that, it's like, man, the Rangers could have done anything here. They could have rode a rusty radio flyer wagon through the neutral zone, and there would have been like a, a significant lane to do it. They could have had driven a cruise ship. <laughs> so it's like, these are the kind of issues we're talking about, right? Like they, they, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the can you do it, does the system work type stuff. Jesse, I, I'm always curious about looking at the series, not from my eyes, but the eyes of the other party involved. So in your humble opinion, the three keys to Pittsburgh Penguins' success against the New York Rangers are what exactly? Well, I think one is their penalty kill, and this is in no order of importance. Um, one is their penalty kill because the Rangers have a really good power play, right? Um, the Penguins, surprisingly enough, are pretty, you know, for, for as risky as they play and for as loose as they can be, they're a pretty stingy team defensively. Most of the year they spent in the top five of expected goal suppression and shot suppression. So it's that's good, right? You want to see that. Um they finished the year at six, so just outside the top five. But the Rangers, if things go well, <laughs> right, and you, and you get a version of the Penguins you expect, like a, a competent, you know, competitive one, it, they're going to have a hard time scoring at even strength. It shouldn't be easy, right? The Penguins make it hard for you in the neutral zone. They forecheck like crazy. Um, that's where that special teams piece comes in. You know, you're going to get your opportunities on the power play. Um, the Penguins, I think, finished third in the penalty kill this year. Uh, Rangers fourth on the power play. So that's like a titanic matchup. And I think, a, you know, a, a nod to whoever wins that is a big nod to winning the series. Um, I would say for the Penguins, it's it's big mistake syndrome is what I would call it. Um, you know, there are times in games uh, where they'll run just a, a flawless performance for 55, 57, 58 minutes. But there's this just two minutes of chaos, Right. Uh, where they they have this what I call big mistake syndrome, where guys are coughing pucks up, and if they could just get rid of that and, and get some consistency, I think it even strength. Um, they're going to be a really difficult out. Uh, but too often, I think again, their wounds are self-inflicted in periods of maybe trying to do too much, be too fancy, force something that's not there. Uh, you know, it stretches them and breaks them. I think at times. So if they can cut that out, um, and they have at several points throughout the year. Um, you know, they can win. And then I think the final one is their star players. Uh, they're going to have to do a lot of lifting. I think there's been some disappointing performances in the bottom six. You know, Kasperi Kapanen's been, you know, he's had a rough one. Um, you know, I don't even know if we'll, um, you know, we, we look at some of the other names. Like Teddy Bluger, I still think is great, but he's more of a defensive specialist, right? You're not getting a lot of goals there. Brian Boyle has been one of the more consistent sources of goals in the bottom six. And I think that says a lot, right? No offense to Boyle. Um, so you gotta, the, the, the stars have to be stars and they've looked great. You know, Gensel hit 40 goals again this year. So the, the firepower is there. I just think that the synergy has to come, um, you know, and we've seen it in flashes, but again, it's, it just goes back to that consistency piece, guys. I think if, if the Penguins can, can get that together and, you know, to give you an insight in the Pittsburgh side, the, the conversation here is, can they flip the switch? You know, they're a veteran, they're a super veteran team. That's won a lot of games in the playoffs, been around a long time. They know the tempo. They know how it's done. They've paid their dues in that regard. Are they just going to show up Tuesday and, and be look like a different club? 
uh, historically, that's not worked out, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, with this particular group. We've heard this before. They're going to flip the switch, and it hasn't happened. Uh, we're going to find out, though. And I know I've painted, like, this, you know, super dire picture of a fledging club, but, I mean, these are real issues, right? Um, they're still a dangerous team. They can still score a ton of goals, um, and I still think they're sneaky good defensively when they want to be, uh, but there are issues that's good that, that that have popped up and i think if you know those three particular categories greg if they can iron those out and win those areas it's going to be tough to beat them in a seven game series i kind of look at this pittsburgh penguins team as the and i feel more confident than i should uh, about the new york rangers going into this series they're a team that i was pretty confident on in, in the in the preseason but i know there was a lot of doubt uh it's a team that's transformed themselves throughout the year but the way I see the Pittsburgh Penguins actually winning this series is if Crosby and Malkin just go Super Saiyan. And there's, like, no yeah. other way to say that. Like, maybe the Smiths can shut out the Rangers, like, a, a game or two because he's a backup goalie and that's just what the Rangers do. Like, maybe he just stands on his head and accidentally, like, he just becomes ma a magical goalie out of nowhere. And that's happened to the Rangers in the past before. But I just don't see this particular team falling to that trap. But in a nutshell, the only way I really see Pittsburgh beating the Rangers is if Sydney and, and Malkin just decide, all right, this is our final run. This is it. And if we don't do this now, uh, we're never doing this again. And that, other than that, man, like uh, I'm, the Rangers' bottom six is pretty good. If Mott comes back, like they have a seriously formidable fourth line. Like, I know Ryan Reeves is going to be playing, and you're going to have to, uh, whenever he's on the ice, take advantage of that maybe sometimes get a great line shift somehow get city out there when reeves is out other than that man like i don't really see how the penguins take this and if the penguins do win it i think it's in seven by the way i, I don't think it they, it's yeah, i agree with sooner that. Than that i agree with that 100 percent um yeah I, I gotta go back to what i said earlier you know, i know like you look at crosby numbers this year and they look more innocuous because he missed some of that time with that wrist um but i think as time went on, the year wore down and he got his timing and his legs and, you know, kind of settled into his line. Um, you know, he, he kind of went back to usual business as usual, Sidney Crosby. Um, and he's not the same guy he was when he was 19. He's not, you know, zipping all over the place at hundred miles an hour and you know, cutting through three or four guys, but he's more in line with like that legacy Lemieux player that had eyes in the back of his head and could slow the game down and distribute the puck in like an otherworldly manner. <laughs> Um, he's still got that in that wicked backhand. So um, it, it's there. You know, I think the interesting thing for me is like, you know, that, that it almost, like to your point, it has to happen, right? And it has to happen against the Rangers top four. That's pretty good. Um, you know, I think it, that there's no like, you know, we, we typically think about this as like a pick your poison style, right? Like, you know, you got to pick between Crosby and Malkin. I don't think the Rangers really have to do that because they have a top four that's so good. Um, but they kind of like you know, have the ability to, throw out whoever they want. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what an Adam Fox does in the playoffs, stuff like that. Um, it's going to be a good time. Uh, just a two part question for you. If, if you don't mind, um, the first, I know the old saying is it's not a series until the home team loses, but do you see a scenario where in your eyes, if the penguins enter that game on Saturday in Pittsburgh, already down two games to none, do you see any scenario where the Penguins can fight out of that? Uh, they'd have to serve. They'd have to hold serve at home, Greg. Yeah, they, but I, I think so. Yeah, I think if I, the thing is, I honestly think the Penguins are probably a little bit better on the road. I mean, they're they're prone to being less fanciful 
Um, they played like a very simpler dump and chase style game where they just get pucks deep and um, cut out, I think, some of the freelancing that they're uh, off to do in the offensive zone with their group. Um, but yeah, that they'd have to, they'd have to equal it up. Um, they're, you know, they're, you're not coming back down from three, one, you've got to hold serve at home and then go back to New York and, and try to steal one. Cause I think even a three, two situation where you're trying to win out from that is tough. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm that I, in that sense, I, it was almost like, I think a lot of people in Pittsburgh were like, kind of like relieved to be starting on the road. Uh, cause it kind of, you know, you, you get. I don't want to say two distinctly different Penguin teams, but you get a more like uh, less glamorous, more workmanlike one when they're on the road as opposed to when they're in the confines of their own building. Which, by the way, guys, is interesting considering the ice at PPG Paints Arena is really not conducive to that kind of attack. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a bold move to choose to be more fanciful on your home ring where you have home rink where you have, you know, more ice quality issues. MSG uh, Ice isn't exactly, by the way. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah. Right. It's not going in the Hall of Fame either. Right? No, no, it's not. Sure. Sorry, Greg. Uh, yeah, and then my second question was, I know, obviously, the easy layup slam dunk answer to this, and it would be 1,000% correct, would be Igor Shosturkin. And I know you've talked quite a bit about being at least handsomely nervous of the Rangers' top four. But is there a specific player you're entering this series with a uh, I don't really want to fucking deal with that guy. Not this way. Not this way. Oh, it's Kreider for sure. Yeah. Um, I have like, not to, you know, spill the whole beans here, but I have like an article coming out. Um, and I told this to, to Ryan earlier, like uh, Shane and Goldman and I are working together on a preview. It's like in tandem preview from both perspectives about that special teams battle. Uh, but Kreider's like such a big part of that because I think the Penguins vulnerability and their penalty kill structure is surprisingly enough the exact same area of the ice Chris Kreider plays on the power play. So it's sort of like, you know, you don't, it's not just about having to account for Chris Kreider. You also have to account for him in the context of you not necessarily being good in the area he's going to be in. Um, and he's traditionally, I think, been really good against Pittsburgh. So I think I'm answering for probably the whole city there when I say Chris Kreider. Wow. Yeah, Kreider has been on, uh, as you probably know, on one this year. Uh, and there's no better way to describe that. But I, I, as Ranger fans, I think we're worried about playoff whistles. Uh, we had uh, Mr. Peel, former referee on uh, this podcast, a couple of months ago. And we were like, all right, so what happens at the playoffs? And he said one an answer that still blows my mind, which is, uh, yeah, you know, players just play more discipline, which to me I say bullshit. Um, uh, but I, I don't believe the. I think they're going to let them play. And if they do let them play, the Rangers aren't going to get that power play advantage that is really makes them the difference of who they are. Like you had talked about the Penguins identity earlier. Well, the Rangers identity is just power play and Igor Shesterkin. Like that's all it is. And without power play, and I know it's changed a lot since the acquisition of cop and, and, uh, and, and Vetrano as well. And the five V five's gotten a lot better. And I do still feel oddly confident about the team, but that's their identity. And so if the whistles do go away the entire series, you have to say to yourself that kind of favors Pittsburgh a little bit, right? The whistles won't go away. Wow. Uh, I'm confident saying that. Here's why. I think sometimes we let contextual lack of calls in certain specific scenarios drive our perception that there are less calls in the playoffs. Outside of 15-16, where uh, it was almost the case, um, it was not, but it was almost the case. Every year we, we have more penalties called in the playoffs by rate than we do in the regular season. There are more calls in the postseason. Um, I think I think what happens is 
it's within the context of a game and circumstantially a lot of stuff that we're used to seeing called in the regular season doesn't get called but the calls shift to other places right contextually we're looking for calls in certain areas that we're not getting and i think that's driving the perception that calls are down when in fact they're, they're actually up so i that's something i've been talking about all week i've <laughs> been like beating that drum that i i think from if that's that's not a, i think not a concern of mine solely because if there were less calls it would be the first time this this year would be the first time in the right in the postseason that we've had less calls in the regular season than like going back to i couldn't even tell you how long probably 2005. so um i think you i think the rangers should not be worried there the penguins are one of the least penalized teams in the league so that's like a separate conversation i think is worth having is will you get not will you get the opportunities because of the playoffs but you get the opportunities just because the penguins don't take a ton of penalties um, and I know a lot of people see that and they say, well, of course they don't because the <laughs> league – look at that roster and tell me who's taking penalties. That's true. Nobody. Ryan Strom you know, is going to take some penalties. A that's a lock. Element. Bet the over on that right now. Like, Ryan yeah, Strom will take two penalties for sure. <laughs> they, they they don't have a physical, like, go-to it element on their team. They don't have, like, a – not I'm expecting Ryan Reeves to have a huge impact, right, but they don't have, like, someone like that. Um, they're, they have, like, you know, a bunch of hockey players and some, most of their bottom sixes – you know, just an on, you know, innocuous two-way players that might throw a glove in your face. So, um, but anyway, that's that's why they're the least penalized team is they just don't take a lot of pims. They don't have a lot of people who take a lot of pims. So, um, well, either way, though, um, I think the at the end of the day, the I think the Rangers are going to get their opportunities. Yeah, I mean, all all of that said and true, it also, you know, tomorrow would be the first time in the entire history of the National Hockey League that Sidney Crosby was called. Fairly, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to go down that road. No, I'm not going to engage you on that. Yeah, yeah, I know. You can't because it's the truth. But that's neither here nor there. I don't want you to kick me. I don't want you kicking me off the show. I would. I would. I would. Guys, I would never. I am betting and rooting for West Ham, so I could never kick you off. Oh, I'm also rooting for West Ham. Please beat Man City, please. Uh, Oh, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Sorry, (laughs) Jesse. I uh, I want. I wanted to present an option for you okay. that I think would make the Penguins a little bit more worrisome in the eyes of Ranger fans. Because in in the, I don't know, this 15, 16, however many year run that Sidney Crosby has been on with this organization, has there ever been a year going into the first round of the playoffs where expectation for what the Penguins could do were was this low? Yes. Like, this, yes. this is... This is one of those scenarios where the Penguins, they're not expected to win. They're not expected to be, quite honestly, overly competitive. So this is finally one of the few times that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin can play the nobody believes in us card. And does that make them more dangerous than we are letting them on to be? The only time this team has had this Penguins team as currently constructed with this core has had a lower expectation than they do now was also against the Rangers in 2015. That was when they had a, uh, going into the regular season, their salary cap problem was so bad that they'd only had enough room to ice five defensive for like a week and a half. So that was a big issue. Um, I think the bigger, to your point, Greg, I think like the bigger Paul quote unquote over things right now that may be like driving uh, the bus as a motivational factor is like the potential end of the line of the core like this you know potentially being the last time 
you see Crosby, Malkin, and Latang and Rust all step out there together, right? Like I think Rust is a, a foregone conclusion at this point. Um, you know, the Latang's up in the air. Uh, you know, given you know what some of his salary numbers have sounded like, you know, if we're to believe the rumors, um, you know, Malkin's probably the only one that's a surefire bet to be back. So that that is, I think, more than anything, the thing that's hanging over the room. And it's not so much like the us against the world mentality is it's like a, this is the last time we may have the opportunity to do this. So, um, you know, from the human element of it, that's something that, you know, you certainly, I think, have to take into account as a motivational factor. Well, you're now owned by a different uh, different ownership. I, I do believe yeah. that ownership has done pretty well with the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool. So whatever the rebuild is, I'm sure it'll be uh, quite intriguing and a fun process. Uh, but I I have a feeling you're not going to rebuild. Like I think there's like maybe one or two more pushes here because uh, Crosby's not, not going anywhere, right? Even if he loses this series, there's no chance. Zero chance. Yeah, he's under contract for a while longer. But he's not um, going to push his way out. He's not eichling or whatever. No, no, not at all. I mean, like, more than likely, what I would expect to happen is probably, like, upon retirement, like, you have Lemieux sell his stake off and Crosby assume it. Like, that's probably what I think is going to happen, is that Sidney Crosby assumes Mario Lemieux's ownership stake in the team, and Lemieux can... I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Mario Lemieux's got an, a huge-ass wine basement. Did you know that? No. He's got a castle... Dude, it's several levels under the earth that this thing goes. Uh, and we're talking like some of the world's finest wines reside in this man's basement. Somebody's got to drink those right? eventually. <laughs> so that's where he's you going. I mean? like, he's not just going <laughs> to sit there for the rest of his life. So, um, But yeah, no, he's not going anywhere. I think, but to your point, guys, like, you know, we jokingly last offseason, you guys had me on the show and we did like the, is Mike Sullivan going to go to the New York Rangers thing? Like if they lose that se- this series in the first round, against the rangers i bet any money that the fs you know the fenway sports group moves on there yeah that'd be like several years in a row of first rings and they have zero emotional attachment to mike sullivan and sullivan's a great coach he's definitely a top five guy i I, oh yeah huge yeah unbelievable it would Um, really uh, i mean i i don't doubt it and the more i think about it i was actually going to ask you if there was any scenario like if the penguins get swept and it's not even close i could see it right but if this is yeah. a competitive series that the Penguins lose in six and every game is tight, every game is just a couple things not going the Penguins' way, you really think the FSG is going to give Sullivan his walking – like, as long as the games are competitive, I just – I don't know how you could justify firing a guy who's brought you multiple cups, has a relationship with your cornerstone foundational star player, and has – gotten more out of this team in 82 game seasons than probably most other coaches should. And you think that again, barring a sweep in which the Rangers win every game, six, nothing. You think there's a chance Mike Sullivan is coaching his last couple games as a Pittsburgh Penguins coach. I mean, I think to your point, Greg, if it's like super competitive or something happens, that's let's say, say Casey DeSmith gets hurt. Right. And Louis Domingue goes in like, God bless him. Um, and then they get they get beat up because of Louis Domingue. Probably not going anywhere, right? Like, I could see that as being like a, all right, like, our bad for not addressing the backup goaltending situation at the trade deadline conversation, you know? Um, but I think, like, if you have a situation that's similar to, like, what happened, for instance, against the Canadians and the, uh, the play-in series, yeah, I think there's a conversation that has to be had there because that was that was a systematic failure, right? And, like, I think, like, what you're seeing now 
I'm not advocating that you get rid of Mike Sullivan, but like, I think that there is a conversation on whether or not Mike Sullivan is the same coach now as he was in 2016. And I think the answer to that question is no. And the reason I'm confident in saying that is because I think some of the eyesores on this team, right, that like we've seen down the stretch, 2016 Mike Sullivan would have changed them already. The guy was like changing like the wind, you know, very whimsical about how he had the team playing hockey. That is an element that's phased out. So, you know, I don't know. I just, my point is every everything you hear from people that have experience with FSG as an ownership group is that they are very much about moving eras quickly. And I know a lot of people in Pittsburgh think, well, like Mario's there. He's still got a stake. Like Rob Rossi at The Athletic would be happy to tell you that Mario Lemieux does have that stake, but he is not driving this boat organizationally anymore. Like if that day is over um, and that attachment doesn't exist. David Morehouse, CEO, guy who was with the team the whole way through the modern era, just stepped down last week, no longer with the team. I wonder no why. They're making calls. So, you know, you see where I'm going with this is like the winds of change have already whipped about a little bit. Um, you know, I think you got to take that into consideration. I want to just point this out because I haven't said this publicly to you or anybody else. I hate that they bought the Penguins because that means that when Sidney Crosby does eventually move on and become bad at hockey, a.k.a. the day he retires – um, whenever that is like, they're, they're going to be a, a nuisance for a very long time. Uh, the Boston Red Sox, like, I know they have, have a, a shitty start this year, but that's a team that's like accidentally wins a title. Like every five years, it's super annoying. And Liverpool is ridiculous. So it's, uh, yeah. I, I'm very, very annoyed that they bought the Penguins because I think the Penguins are going to be around for a very long time, uh, being annoying. That is. Yeah. And I, you know, Lemieux was not like uh, the heavy hitter in, in the relationship they had before it was Ron Burkle, but he had no shortage of, he was like billion with a B two. So um, I don't think spending would have ever been uh, problematic for them. Um, I think that philosophy though, right? That's where you get a difference and like how we want to go about it. How do we want to do it? I think that is where FSG is much more like pedal to the metal. We're going to run your sentimentality over with a truck and whereas the other group was more like everyone should be happy like we're gonna make let's make it work for everyone kumbaya you know like you get much less of that now you know well I'll, I'll say this if we're talking ownership i personally just fucking hate conglomerate team ownership groups uh it just doesn't feel personal and i'm not i'm not saying that you know i need to be personally attached to my owners but I do think what makes like a guy like Steve Cohen owing, opening the Mets, not just the fact he's like stupid rich and doesn't give a shit Does not about anything. It's, it's just like if, if you put a gun to FSG's head, like they're going to have to choose a team they're going to prioritize first and foremost. You can't love all your children the sure. same. So that, that, that to me, uh, I've, I, I've always felt like conglomerate ownership, it, it just – I, like, Greg, I don't know right. where the priorities are. I don't want to spend are. the whole show telling Greg he's right. Yeah, I, I do. Like, I, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. You, you've captured the – let me tell you why you've captured the sentiment of a lot of people in Pittsburgh. I don't know if any of you have been to Pittsburgh or how familiar with you uh, with the, you are as a place, but there's a town – I mentioned Mario's house, right, the, the wine cellar. There's a town in Pittsburgh called Sewickley, Pennsylvania, and it's just five, ten minutes outside of Pittsburgh. Very, I grew up right next to it. Very quaint little nor- – reminds me of a northern New York, upstate New York village, you know? Um, old town, you know, colonial-style cobblestone streets, little tiny vintage shops. But, like, you could go down there, run into the Starbucks to get a coffee, and Mary Lemieux could be standing in there. 
you could go to China City to get takeout, and there, there's a chance you're going to run into Mario Lemieux because he went, he got sushi down there. Like, it was there was a thrill in knowing that if you had to go to Swickley for some reason, or just being in Moon Township in general, that you could potentially bump into Mario Lemieux. Facebook is always ablaze. Your local Facebook is always ablaze. It's like, I saw Mario Lemieux at the coffee shop today. Like, you know, in the best shape of his life, you know? Like, so, like, that element, like, he's not gone anywhere. Like, Mario still lives in Pittsburgh, right? But, like, that hometown, like, connection piece, that's gone. You know, it's definitely, definitely gone. Uh, and I, you know, my mom went to a game. Uh, she loves hockey, but she rarely goes to Penguin games. Um, she went to a game for the first time. She was at the season-ending game against the Blue Jackets. And one of the first things she said to me was, like, man, the atmosphere there is just so different now. And it is. And it's not that even like an FSG thing. Like it's just changed with time. And I don't know if MSG fits under that umbrella or not, but like it's it's become less boisterous, less loud. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it's just I, now we're getting off the, the track here a little bit, but like that hometown, like p- the piece to it, right? Like that that you had with like the Civic Arena and with the ownership group and all, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's just eroded piece by piece over time. And the Penguins, I think, had to do that to stay. Right, they had to. They had to do that, and every team now is selling ad space, and every team is, you know. But some teams are segment. good at it, Jesse. Like some teams yeah. can like make you feel that, not, and again, not to blow Greg so much, but like the. Uh, I like this. I like everything that's happening. The right Mets here. do. The Mets do a great job making City Field feel homey, where Yankee Stadium feels like a corporate shell. Like that's sure. just my opinion. But, but not so. Not just this. Not to cut you off, Ryan. But like another part of my conglomerate team ownership is just like I'm sure Liverpool, the Red Sox, the Penguins, they all have different budgets. But at some point, if the Penguins are telling me that they can't afford Chris Letang, all while I'm watching Liverpool pay Mo Salah all the money in the world, I'm at least within my rights to ask, "Well, do you?" And I, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. ever, I don't ever like. For me, I just, I, I want to care about one thing with my ownership group, and I want my ownership group to care about one thing as well. And I don't want to have to have side eye about what's possibly happening, like. Imagine the Red Sox give Rafael Devers the big extension that he wants, and the Red Sox will be fine, and the Red Sox will be great, but that comes at the expense of, say, a Jake Gensel extension. Well, yeah. what the fuck? That, yeah. like, that's not, not that it's not fair to the Penguins and blah, 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 but it's just like that's my problem with conglomerate ownership where you tell me, the fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins, one thing, but that doesn't apply to the Red Sox. And it definitely doesn't apply to Liverpool. So what the fuck are we doing? See, I, I, I think the salary cap is so have, low like, it, it doesn't matter to like, guys. And I'm not saying FSG will do this, right? But I, th- this is more of a comment like for other teams. We now have a Rangers model, right? Like it exists. And, and people will say like, well, it also involved these draft picks, this and that. And, true. But like I'm not, this is not a shit on Alexi Lafreniere comment at all because he's a very good player and I could talk about his five-on-five five numbers to shut people up for an hour. He's not a, like a, he's not a Sidney Crosby level talent. He's not right. No one's the arguing. Players that. that the Rangers picked up in the draft positions that they had are good hockey. Yes, they're good hockey. Absolutely, they're good hockey players. Some are great hockey players. They are not generational talents. The Rangers ship turned as quickly as it did and as fast as it did because it was a combination of good drafting, having some pre-existing established pipeline <laughs> that, it, that you know you could already tap into, and then making savvy, smart free agent signings, right? So the Penguins lack the pipeline. They can't go tap into that, right? That's not there. Um, to get to the draft position, they'd have to be bad for a while, right? So I guess my, the, re- the reason I bring all this up, Greg, is like I don't think in the current hockey environment that we have now, 
the cap being the way it is, salaries being what they are. I question in a Malkin Crosby list team, like you could probably put together like a like a Trotsish Islanders lineup, right? But like I, I still don't see a path to them having those guys retire and then turn around, bam, next year you're competitive. Yeah, that's like, fair. I, you know what I mean? Like, I think tried... you could do something, right? You could you could maybe push to be like a wild card two or, you know, have aspirations, but like you're more like your aspirations become the Jets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's where your that's where your top ceiling Jets is. Jets are not so good right now, in case spend. you're wondering. Yeah. Just letting you know. Yeah. So. Well, I think, there Jesse, what, what you really need to do, you need to, you need to hope for a pandemic in which there's <laughs> a weird bubble. And then in that bubble, if you lose, you get a one in eight chance at the number one overall pick. And I think if you do that, it's going to speed up your timeline here. And then you do it in yeah. 2023 and you actually get a generational talent that goes to Pittsburgh. It'll be fine. You'll be good. Well, I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, when, when the lottery happened for Sydney, the city Crosby yeah, lottery took place, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that, that people got really upset about was that like the Penguins had traded up to get the first rounder to take Marc-Andre Fleury. So in the lottery, that did not statistically count against their number of balls they got because they didn't, they, they weren't, they only earned that pick through means of trading it. So their odds were not affected by having selected Flurry first overall at all. <laughs> like, it's like, a, like people were like, what, what are you, are you kidding me? And like, no, we're not like that actually is exactly how it's going to work. I don't know if they have ever changed that or not. Like if that's ever adjusted or anything, but they only really uh, change things if it has somehow has benefited the New York Rangers. So it's, <laughs> everybody knows that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody, let's, saw let's that, everybody saw that ball pause. Uh, and it well, did. No, wait, it, it was, was very it? close to being Toronto out, Maple right? Leafs. It was very close. Okay. It would have been yeah. way worse. But that's like the, the Sydney Crosby almost went to the Ducks. I know. Duh, man. Anyway, we can do this forever. <laughs> Jesse, this is, uh, we'll spend some time over the summer, I'm sure. Best of luck to you and your dear friends in the series. Uh, I do feel oddly confident as a Ranger fan. I shockingly, I'm not so confident about round two, but we got to get there first. So, uh, uh, any, I guess any final predictions, thoughts, things you want to say before we go? I think the Rangers will win in six. I agree. I agree. Uh, just saying, if you wanted to bet that, you can get it at plus 550 right now. It's pretty good. I, I, five, five, it might actually be 650. I'll have to double check. But Rangers to win the series four games to two, uh, it's at least five to one, which is very good money. Insane. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a time for the playoff series. And you mentioned, like, you know, uh, as my final thought, that the Pittsburgh arena is just not the same anymore. Uh, Madison Square Garden is going to be absolutely bonkers. Like, it's yeah, be, I, I expect nothing less. I wanted, I wanted to make note of that, Jesse, because you said, I don't know what it's like at MSG. You, you had the women's championship boxing match at MSG on Saturday, and it was so loud that the referee couldn't hear the bell he ringing. Hear the bell. I watched it. That, yeah. It's just – now, I understand – those kind of events brings out a certain level of New Yorker because everyone is like, you know, New Yorker. it's a fractured city where we all have different rooting interests when it comes to our local teams. But all you need to do is all you need to hear is city field in a playoff atmosphere, even Yankee stadium in a playoff atmosphere. Shit. I mean, Trey Young's not even that great of a basketball player, but he's a villain in New York because we went to the playoffs and he beat us. So I do think, I do think MSG, the crowd environment, those first two games are going to be fucking ridiculous. Absolutely insane. Bananas. All right, Jesse. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you. Hey, and as always, at the end of every show, I'd like to thank our NHL Insiders Club, who's been with us through the whole year. I mean, we've had some lot, we've had a lot of fun in the NHL Insiders chat. We've done a lot of stuff. We made a billboard. Uh, we've had we broke the Adam Fox contract in there. 
We've broken actually like a, like a maybe Schneider's call up. We've broken a lot of news in there, as crazy as that is. Uh, and it's also been a really fun place to you know form a new York, new little New York Rangers family heading into a big emotional moment of the New York Rangers playoffs, as you know. So I want to thank everyone individually, as I do at the end of every show, but a little, a little more heart this time. I don't, I don't have anything special planned, but I just really appreciate everybody that has followed along with us all these years and supported us and supported the show. It's been uh, it's been a wild ride. And it's gotten us to a lot of places we never expected to been to be rather, and uh, the New York Rangers as well. Um, I think a lot of people didn't expect them to be in the playoffs this year. Not me, though. Ryan Mead, who said they'd be second in the Metro. Thank you. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to thank Adam Cassidy, M. Cohen, Adam Curtulo, Adam Keach, Alex Gardner, Amber Coensberger, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, Chris Finelli, C.J. Stellwagen, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dezen, David Narodin, Dennis Dice, Darian, Darian just killing it with the sweatshirt this week to Lou. Jesus Christmas. Uh, Garrett Reynas, Garrett, give Gartner a cup. Uh, did I say Eric Stag? Eric Stag again. Gretz Garrett, McFly, Handel, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89. Ian Rodriguez, Jake, Jake B. That's right. Jerry and Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, K- Justin Freeman, Justin Starr, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Lazar Krakowski, Lou Giordano, Lucas K, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Neil Grover, Pascal Perry, Eric Pagel, Pagel, Pavel Kotrev, my literal friend, uh, Randy Tesser, Scottish Grant, Stephen Lomayer, Stigble Box, Swinegard, the Drop BK, Thomas Welsh, Tom Sinclairy, Tom Erst Jr., the legend himself, Tom, Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Upstate, Vin, Vinny Bronco, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston the Golden Retriever. I will be going to the game with Matthew Kine. On Thursday, uh, he'll be bringing me. We'll be talking about everything ever of all our feelings and emotions. If you're at the game, say hello. Say hi to us. We'll be chilling out. Uh, say hi to us at the gin mill on Saturday. Reach out to us on Twitter. Everything. This is the time I want. I hope we have a magical two months together. I hope it really goes the, the whole way. But I hope it especially goes this first round for sure. Thank you all so much for everything you've ever done for this podcast and everything you've ever done for me or or each other, to be honest, because... It is a community. It's all about fun at the end of the day. That's what we do it for. Uh, So without further ado, I introduce to you the New York Ranger playoffs. I wish you all the best of luck. you surviving, the sweating, the nervousness, the clenching, and everything else. I'll be there with you. We'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.